Hello, I want to welcome you to the Point Church Alberta Campus Sunday Preaching Podcast. My name is Josh Heisler and I'm the Alberta Campus Pastor. We strongly believe in the expositional preaching of God's Word, which works to build our faith and grow us up in Christ. Our prayer is that this message will be a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join us as we get to the point. If you got your Bibles, I hope that you do. Open them up to the book of Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, grab one of those hardback black Bibles from under your chair. If you're using one of those, we will be in page 178. We are continuing in our series today in the book of Joshua, which we have entitled Heading Home. And over the last two weeks, as we've been in chapter one of Joshua, we've seen that that most of the emphasis has been on Joshua, on the people of Israel, and on God and their relationship with God. We've looked at Joshua as he's taken on the mantle of leadership from Moses over Israel, and, and we've looked at the people of Israel and their response to that change in leadership. And, and in that, we've seen an emphasis on God's faithfulness. We've seen that we serve a God who is faithful. Like he has provided for Israel and he's continuing to provide for Israel. He has kept his promises and he continues to keep his promises. God has walked with his people and he's continuing to walk with his people. And we've also seen an emphasis on obedience. Joshua is called to obey everything that God has commanded him. And the people promise to obey everything that Joshua commands them. But today, as we move into chapter 2, the focus is going to change a little bit. And it changes in a way that's a little bit unexpected, if I can be perfectly honest. Because as we move into chapter 2, the the story is not going to revolve around Israel. It's going to revolve around a Gentile. And not just any Gentile. It's going to revolve around a woman. And not just any woman. It's going to revolve around a prostitute. We've been looking at Israel, we've been looking at Joshua and their relationship with God, and as we move into chapter 2, all of that changes, and what we're going to see is, is the power of faith, faith at work in the life of somebody who is on the outside of the tribe and is looking in. So with that, let's dive in. Joshua chapter 2. We're going to look at the whole chapter today, but I promise I'm not going to keep you here long. So Joshua chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, the Bible says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come up here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you. Who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Verse 8, before the men lay, excuse me, before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. 
For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope in the window. For her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills or the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward, you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord into the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather your house, your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned, and the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and they told him all that, that, had, that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also, all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, as we dive into this text, I ask that you would speak to us. That we would see just how important our faith is for us as disciples of Jesus. That you would show us as an example in Rahab a faith that we want to emulate that it will lead us to act, that it will lead us to follow your direction in our lives. God, grow our hearts for you today. Speak into each life here today as, as we look at this text and as we go out of here, empower us to live the mission that you've given us to live. We love you, Lord Jesus. We look forward to seeing you at work. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but I love a good spy story. I really do, and, and it started at a young age. I grew up watching Inspector Gadget. Y'all remember Inspector Gadget? Like the cartoon detective, he was like half human, half Swiss army knife, and he was a police detective. His job was to solve crimes, but he wasn't very good at it because he wasn't very smart. In fact, he relied mostly on his niece, Penny, and their dog, Brain, to, 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 to defeat the evil Dr. Claw from taking over the world. Uh, I know it was cheesy, but I loved Inspector Gadget as a kid. 
As I got older, I discovered the Tam Tom Clancy novels. You, you know what I'm talking about, the Jack Ryan series, where um, The Hunt for Red October, Clear and Present Danger, Without Remorse, Rainbow Six, Executive Orders, um, The Sum of All Fears. There's a whole bunch of them. That's, that's just some of them. But I loved those spy stories. Growing, going even further, most, most recently, Kylie and I at home have been watching the Mission Impossible movies, um, and, and even though I'm not a huge fan of Tom Cruise because of that terrible movie he made, Top Gun, that's a horrible movie, horrible, horrible. Fighter guys are way cooler than Tom Cruise. And anyway, even though I'm not a fan of Tom Cruise, we have really enjoyed those Ethan Hunt stories. I, I think it's safe to say that we all enjoy a good spy story, am I right? And as we're looking at chapter 2 of Joshua here, we might be tempted to see this as just another spy story. But if that's all we're seeing, as we look at this, if we read this chapter and, and all we're reading about is the spies, we're missing the point. We are missing what this is trying to teach us. Because chapter 2 of the book of Joshua is not primarily a story about spies. The spies aren't the main characters here. In fact, they're kind of just the supporting cast. The main character of this story here in chapter 2 is Rahab. And what we're going to see as we look at Rahab is a story of faith. So the chapter begins by setting the stage. In verses 1 through 7, we see that Israel is still on the plains of Moab, Moab on the east side of the Jordan River uh, near Shittim, which is in modern-day Jordan. They're preparing to cross over, but they haven't yet left. And Joshua sends some spies to go over and investigate the land, and specifically he sends them to investigate Jericho. When the two spies arrive in Jericho, they, they enter the city, and the second half of verse 1 tells us that they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. Now, I don't want to minimize Rahab's profession, primarily because the Bible doesn't. It doesn't hide it. It doesn't try to minimize it. But I don't want you to see anything nefarious going on here with the spies either. All throughout the book of Joshua, we, in fact, we've already seen that there is an emphasis on, on obeying all of God's commands. And as we continue further, we're going to see that that obedience is very strictly enforced. So we don't have to, to, to read into this that they're doing anything kind of immoral as they go to see Rahab and stay in her house. And, and that's further amplified by the fact that almost all scholars are, are unanimous in saying that Rahab's house was most likely some sort of a way station or a tavern or an inn. It, it was the place that almost all travelers were expected to go through as they came into the city for the first time. And so these spies, as they come into Jericho, they do what was expected of them. They go and they stay there at her house. And apparently they weren't very good spies because as soon as they get there, the king of Jericho already knows that they're there. And he sends word over to Rahab's house and says, hey, give me the men that you have at your house who've come to spy us out, who have come to try and defeat us. But Rahab does something a little bit unexpected. She, she lies. She hides the men and sets the stage for all that's going to follow. And once the coast is clear, because she, she sends them on that wild goose chase to try and find the spies who are still at Jericho, once the coast is clear, she has this conversation, and it's in this conversation that we're going to spend most of our time today. But before we do that, there's something we need to address for, for just a moment, because Rahab lied to the king's messengers in order to save the spies. And as we see that, we might be tempted to start focusing on the ethical questions surrounding what happened here. 
And if we're not careful with those ethical questions, pretty soon we'll start getting wrapped around the axle about whether it was okay for her to lie in the first place or not. We'll start asking questions like, was it sinful for Rahab to lie to the king of Jericho in order to save the spies, or should she have just turned them over to their certain death to the king? And if we do that, if we start getting wrapped around the axle with those ethical questions about whether she should or shouldn't have lied, we're going to miss what this is trying to teach us. Because this isn't about Rahab's lie. This, This text isn't about whether or not she lied. It's about her truth. It's about what she's about to say. So what I want to point out really quickly, and then we'll just kind of move on from that, is is that just because Joshua reports that Rahab lied does not mean that he condones it. Just, Just because Joshua is telling us that she lied doesn't mean that it's okay. It doesn't actually say whether it was right or wrong to lie. Joshua is just telling us what happened in history in order to get us to his main point. And so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to move on to the main point. Because that's kind of a side distraction that can take us off what this is trying to teach us. This chapter focuses on faith. And that faith is at work in Rahab. And so we're going to focus on that as well. And that faith really starts to become clear starting at verse 8. Take a look. Beginning at verse 8, the Bible says, Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. Now I want to stop right there for just a moment. Because before we get to what Rahab says, we need to acknowledge what Rahab has done. Rahab has committed treason. She has committed treason against her king, against her people. By harboring these spies, she has rebelled against the king of Jericho. She has betrayed her own people. Now, what led her to do that? Why would Rahab do that? The answer is faith. Faith in someone more powerful than the king of Jericho. Faith in the God of the Hebrews. Faith in Yahweh. But, but where did that faith come from? How did she know about it? it? It came from hearing about the God of the Hebrews. You see, most likely because of her work, both as a prostitute and because of where she lived in that house that was some sort of an inn, she was around people who were traveling all over the region. And as Israel left Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, wandered through the wilderness, came up the east side of the Dead Sea into the plains of Moab, as they were doing that, all that God was doing through them and for them had captured the attention of the people. And so the people started talking about it. And because of where God had just happened to place Rahab, Rahab was hearing about all that this God had done. And so Rahab heard about how God had parted the Red Sea and allowed Israel to cross on dry land. She had heard how God utterly defeated the mighty Egyptian army. Rahab had heard about when Israel came into the plains of Moab, King Sion from Heshbon had refused to allow Israel passage through his land. Israel didn't want to fight them. They offered, hey, let us stay on through here. We'll we'll stick to the highway. If you let us through, we'll do nothing to you. But he refused. 
And he sent his army out to battle, and Israel utterly destroyed them and killed the king. And she'd heard about that. She heard about how King Og had come out from Bashan with his army and how God had handed them over as well. Completely destroyed those armies. Completely conquered those lands. And as she heard that the Amorites east of the Jordan had been crushed by the God of Israel, it stirred this faith in her heart. Rahab became a prime example of what the Apostle Paul would write 1,500 years later in his letter to the Romans, that faith comes by hearing. She's heard what God has done, and that faith is stirred in her heart. That's how God works, by the way. I I talked about this with my Bible study on Wednesday night upstairs in the, the student building. God uses people like you and me who talk about what he's done in order to move his gospel forward, in order to share about who he is. And as we share, as we talk about what God has done, that kindles this faith in people that burns into a fire and changes people's hearts. God stirs up faith in people's hearts as they hear about him. Rahab heard what the God of Israel had been doing, and that led her to believe that he was the one true God, the God of heaven and of earth. She didn't believe in her little fake gods anymore, her idols that she had been grown up around. She believed that Yahweh was the one true God. And as we consider this, as we think about the fact that she hears about God and then she believes it, it leads us to ask the question, what do people hear about God from me? I want you to ask yourself that. What do people hear about God from me? What do my words convey about God? What do my actions convey about God? How does the way I live my life speak about who God is and what he's done? Do I live a life that proclaims the gospel message? I want you to think about that. What do people hear about God from me? Because faith comes by hearing People are going to have faith because they hear about God from you. So what are they hearing? Rahab heard what the Lord had done, and it kindled a faith in her. And as that faith began to grow, what we're going to see is that it changed her perspective. It changed her outlook on life because that's what faith does. It changes your perspective. And we see that as she continues talking here in verse 11. Rahab continues, she says, And as soon as we heard it, Our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. And we've got to stop right there and acknowledge what she's just said. Because that right there is her confession of faith. This is her acknowledging that Yahweh is God of heaven and earth, that he is the one true God. Having heard what Israel's God had done, it has changed her perspective on who she is. She knows that he is real. She knows that he is absolutely supreme. But here's the thing. There's more to genuine faith than just head knowledge. There's more to genuine faith than just knowing in my head that God is real, knowing in my head that he is supreme above all other gods, all other people. Because a genuine faith in God doesn't stop at that head knowledge. It goes further. Genuine faith leads us to love God. Genuine faith leads us to want to run to God, not run from him. 
I love what Dale Davis said as he was talking about Rahab. Take a look at this. We're going to throw it up on the screens. He said, genuine faith never rests content with being convinced of the reality of God, but presses on to take refuge in God. It's not just enough to know that God is real, but genuine faith is going to lead us to run to God for shelter, run to God for refuge. And that's what we see happen with Rahab. She understands this. She sees the power and might of God at work. She believes that God is God. She has faith, and that faith leads her to sense that there might be in him an opportunity to take refuge, which is why she continues in verses 12 and 13. Look at what she says to them, because she's going to make this request that, that basically she finds shelter under God through his people. Beginning at verse 12, she says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord, that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. You see, Rahab knew that her hope and her security did not rest in the hands of the king of Jericho or in his armies. Her hope was rooted in God. Her hope rested in this newfound faith in the God of Israel. And she knows that even as God comes in and hands over the land to the people of Israel, he can save her. He can save her family. She is desperate for help. And in this desperation, her faith leads her to turn to the mercy of God. Where others in Jericho saw Israel's God as a God to be feared. Rahab's faith has changed her perspective. And she now sees that this God is a God of hope. And faith can do the same thing for us too. You see, we have the head knowledge. We know God. We can know all of the facts about God. We can know that God is holy and righteous and just. We can know that God has set standards for us that he expects us to live up to. We can even know that we don't live up to those standards, that we fall short. And because of that, because of our failure to keep his standards, we are under his just wrath. We can know all of that. And if we have that head knowledge, but we don't have faith, we will end up terrified of a wrathful God. That's a God that we want to run away from. But when faith is genuine, when faith is at work in us, in our lives, it can change our perspective of how we see things. Because when we place our faith in Christ, we can know that while God is a God of wrath, and it's a just wrath, we deserve that wrath. While that's who God is, because of what Jesus did at the cross, we don't have to be afraid of his wrath. We can have faith in his finished work. We can know that his mercy was purchased by Jesus on the cross for us. And when we will repent of our sin and place our faith and trust in Jesus' finished work at the cross, he forgives us of our sin. He gives us his righteousness. And now we don't have to run away from God anymore, but we can run to him. It changes our perspective. When we have this genuine faith, and what that means is that when we fail, when we sin, and by the way, we will, right? Like, 
case you think that you can somehow, I'm a pastor, I still sin. Talk to my wife and kids, talk to my dad and my, my parents, they will tell you I am still a sinner, I still make mistakes, and when I make mistakes, when I sin, when I fail, I don't have to run from God anymore. I can run to him. I can repent, and he welcomes me not with wrath and judgment, but with open arms and forgiveness and mercy. Our faith can change our perspective. We don't have to be afraid of God anymore. And when we experience this change in perspective, the next thing we're going to see is that that our faith, it, it brings a trust that leads us to act. We see this happen with Rahab and the spies. Take a look at verse 14. The Bible says, And and the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you. And hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. For behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now, as we see this episode with the spies come to an end, and you consider everything that's going on here. They're, they're standing there at the window of Rahab's house, which is built into the wall of Jericho, and she's getting ready to lower them down. Or maybe they've just come down, and they're standing on the ground, and she's talking down to them. As you see this interaction happening between them, you can't help but notice that there is an awful lot of trust going on here. And, and that trust does not make sense on the surface. right? When you think about what's going on here, these three people have not known each other very long. Right? Like, like at most, it's overnight. Less than 24 hours, and yet somehow they trust one another. And they've got nothing in common. Like, so, so what's the source of this trust? I mean, after all, they're Hebrews. She's a Canaanite. They're men. She's a woman. They're soldiers. She's a prostitute. Why do they have this trust with one another? The answer is their faith. They have a shared faith, and that faith brings trust. They share faith in God. That that faith brings them together so that they can act. You know, I I retired from the Navy about a year and a half ago. You guys know that. And and one of the downsides of being in the military is, is that you move around an awful lot. Katie is almost 18 years old. Kylie is 14. The house we're living in right now is Katie's 10th house. It's Kylie's 7th house. This June, Tam and I will have lived there for three years, um, and and the girls too. Uh, And once we have lived there for three years, that will be the longest we have lived anywhere in 20 years of marriage. We have moved around a lot. And in every single place we've gone, we've made friends. 
We've forged bonds. We've, we've been drawn together. And, and I can tell you without hesitation that in every single duty station we were at, the strongest bonds, the most lasting bonds of friendship that we forged were with those who shared our faith in Jesus Christ. Like, I'm not going to list off the families, but I could list off family after family after family in all kinds of duty, duty stations all over the country who took us in and, and became family to us, all because we shared a faith in Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. I think God does that on purpose. Our faith brings us together, and it brings this trust that leads into unity, that leads into friendship and a love for one another, that enables us to live on mission for God. And that's what we're seeing have happen right here. Our faith, it points us in the same direction. It points us to God and to what he's given us to do, and that builds this bond of trust and this unity and affection that, that take us on the mission together. I mean, think about it. We've seen that right here at the Point Church. Like as we have grown as a church, we have seen this at work in our church. When you look around the room and you consider all the folks that were here first service, like we are very different on the surface. Like we've got some people who were born and raised in Alberta. They've spent their entire lives right here. But we've also got people from the East Coast, up in New England, we've got people from the West Coast, the Pacific Northwest, the Midwest, basically anywhere in the country, we've got people who have come to this church. And we've got some people who are financially very well off. We've got some people who are struggling to make the ends meet. We've got some people who are, are like country people. You know, you know what I'm, like, I'm one of them, I guess, but you know what I mean by country. Like, they, they've got livestock, they've got tractors, they've got, you know, the, the, the fields filled with crops that are growing. We've got farmers in our church, but we've also got city people who, who the closest they want to come to a farm is the meat department at Publix, right? Like, we've got both. We've got people who are raised in a Baptist church, We've got people who are Presbyterians, Lutherans, Catholics. We even have some people who used to be atheists. We've got people who've been following Jesus their entire life, and we've got people who are brand new baby Christians. On the surface, we have nothing in common. On the surface, we are a very different group of people, but we have one thing in common that brings us all together, and that's our faith in Jesus Christ. That faith brings trust, that brings unity, that sends us out on mission. You see, even Rahab's faith helped to move the mission forward. Like, and she was an outsider looking in. Take a look at what happened after the spies left. As they leave Jericho, beginning at verse 22, the Bible says that they departed and went to the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And then the pursuers and the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. The two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into to our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Now, here's what I want you to see, how this faith brings trust that, that moves the mission forward. Forty years before this point, Moses sent 12 spies into the land. And those spies went in, and they saw everything that was there. 
And when they came back, 10 of those spies came back with a report that terrified Israel, that led them to say, no, 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 we can't do this. If we do this, we're going to die. There's no way this is going to happen. And so all of Israel rebelled against God and against Moses because of what those spies had said. But when these two spies come back and they come to Joshua, they give the exact opposite report. These two spies come back and they report that God is giving all of this to us. All of the people are terrified because of us. Now, what are they saying? They're saying exactly what Rahab had told them. It was Rahab's faith that led these two spies to bring their report to Joshua so that there wasn't going to be another delay. There wasn't going to be another Kadesh Barnea. These people are going to move in. They're going to take the land all because of Rahab's faith. So they move forward with the mission. And as we keep reading in the weeks ahead, we're going to see that that's what they do. But listen, the the story about spies in the book of Joshua, we've got to see this. It's not about spies at all. It's about faith. That's what this is about. It's the story of a Canaanite prostitute who comes to place her faith in the Lord. And and as we see this, it's really the story of an outsider looking in. And and here's the part that just kind of blows my mind. 3,500 years later, we're standing here and we're talking about her by name. You notice we didn't get the names of the spies. No clue who they are. That's on purpose. That's because this story isn't about them. It's about the faith of a woman named Rahab. An outsider who hears about the Lord and places her faith in him. And that faith gives her a change of perspective that changes everything and leads her to act. That faith was so great that she's remembered in the hall of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read about her faith. You know whose faith is not mentioned in the hall of faith? Joshua. He's not there. Hebrews chapter 11, you can look up afterwards. He's not there. And Joshua is considered to be one of the greatest leaders of Israel. He was never condemned for having sinned against the Lord like Moses had. He he was the perfect leader at that time, and he's not mentioned, but Rahab, Rahab is. And in the end, that faith, it comes down to you and me. You see, as we keep on reading in the book of Joshua, what we're going to see is that Rahab and her family are rescued, just as they promised. And eventually Rahab is going to be brought into the family of Israel and she's going to marry and she's going to have a son whose name is Boaz. Boaz is going to marry another outsider, a woman named Ruth. And they're going to have a son and that son's name will be Obed. And Obed will have a son and that son's name is Jesse and Jesse will have a son and that son's name is David who the Bible tells us was a man after God's own heart. You see, Ruth is the great-great-grandmother, or not Ruth, Rahab is the great-great-grandmother of King David. And it was to King David that God made a promise 
that one of his descendants would rule and reign forever. And many, many generations later, that promise was kept. Just an hour's drive from Jericho, in the town of Bethlehem, one of Rahab's descendants was born, and his name was Jesus. The God-man, God who put on flesh and came and lived among us. All because of the faith of a Canaanite woman. That's what we're seeing right here. Jesus came and he lived the perfect life. The life that none of us could live. And he died the sinner's death in our place in order to give us his righteousness. When we repent of our sin, he forgives our sin. He gives us his righteousness. When we place our faith in him. But we don't keep that faith to ourselves. Like Rahab, we, we want to move forward with that faith. We want to talk about that faith so that other people can discover that faith. Because our faith, it, it can change lives. It can change perspectives. It'll bring unity to the church so that we can go on the mission. That's what we're seeing here in Joshua chapter 2. It's not a story about spies. It's a story about faith. And the part that I think is so cool is that we get to continue the story. When we live out our faith, when we tell other people about what God has done, we get to keep the story that started 3,500 years ago with Rahab in Jericho moving forward. This is not a story about spies. It's a story about faith. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast from The Point Church. If you would like more information about our church, or if you have any questions, you can find us online at tothepoint.church.